Hey, everybody. Before we start the show today, I wanted to talk to you about InvestigatorsToolbox.com. This is the future of networking, training, and resource management. I am really, really excited by uh, the amount of people that are in the site already and what's going on there and the amount of training that we've got in there, the webinars, the blogs, OSINT resources, over 130, I think it's close to 140. This is where you guys want to be. If you are interested in bringing your business to the next level, if you're interested in networking with the best investigative minds that are out there, if you're interested in free training uh, from some of the best investigators out there, you need to be in investigatorstoolbox.com. So it's investigators hyphen toolbox.com you want to go check it out uh the legacy discount is ending very shortly if you're interested you need to join the site right away if you wait too long you're gonna miss out on the 50 dollars discount don't delay get in there it's like 41 cents a day right now to get in there if you can't afford 41 cents a day to make yourself better at what you're doing what are you guys doing in this business, right? So uh, investigatorstoolbox.com. I wanted to talk to you about that today and go check it out. And uh, we're going to start the show. Enjoy the show, guys. What do you do when you get calls for bug sweeps? Did you know usabugsweeps.com, the number one TSCM provider in the country, pays you a 20% commission for converted sales leads? Stop turning money away. USABugSweeps.com uses top-rated technology, and they cover all of the United States. So save time and make money today. Contact USABugSweeps.com and mention PIP20. Welcome to PI Perspectives. Did you know we're now providing a video version of the show on our YouTube channel? It actually gets released a day earlier for those who can't wait for Mondays. The link is in the show notes, so check it out. Today, under the magnifying glass, is pink-collar fraud expert Kelly Paxton. Kelly is a force in the fraud community and recently started her own podcast, Great Women in Fraud. Matt and Kelly have either spoken at or attended several conferences together recently. Today, we dig into what fraud investigation looks like and how to become an expert in the field. So please welcome Kelly Paxton and your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare, your host, and we are going bi-coastal again this week. Uh, this time we went a little bit north. We headed up to Oregon. And uh, wow, I've been running into Kelly Paxton pretty much everywhere. And uh, we've had some, uh, well, everywhere virtually anyways. And we've had some conversations. And Kelly just recently started a podcast and uh I wanted to have her on and just talk about what her show is, what she does. So uh, Kelly, welcome to the program. How are you? I am awesome. And thank you so much for having me. And yeah, we have like Cybercraft Summit and just like all sorts of things. So this is, this is kind of funny. We're stalking Um, each other. Yeah, it's good. Good Yeah, we're stalking each other. Oh, we're not supposed to say that. No. Um, So I started Great Women in Fraud. And you know what? That's one of the good things that has come out of COVID was this summer when I was kind of sort of bored because I primarily speak and train literally around the world now. And um COVID stopped all of that except virtual. And then this summer I was on Great Women in Compliance, right. which was kind of, you know, I'm not really compliance. I've worked with compliance and I think their function is so important. I was on a run one day listening to an episode of how they started. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do Great Women in Fraud. So I came back to my house. I immediately emailed Mary Shirley and I'm like, 
I want to do great women in fraud. Can I do that? And she wrote back and she's like, yes. And then I had wanted to do a podcast for a couple of years, but it was too broad. Like it, it would have died. Okay. And this one I'm so excited about. So yeah, great women in fraud launched. I have, I'm dropping episode six, I think tomorrow. All right. You got one more till you can say you made it. <laughs> I know. Well, and actually I have, I'm past podcast fade of seven. Okay. It's just, I'm putting them out week by week. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I, I find just consistency, right? So the feedback I get from people, and I, I do get a lot of messages from people, LinkedIn and, and emails and whatever. It's just they appreciate that they know the consistency of once a week, there's going to be a show out and I'm going to have somebody different on and we're going to be talking about different things. Um, but it is a commitment, right? So we have our day jobs and this is kind of like our side gig that, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure to, to make sure I get the show out. So. Well, I've said podcasts kind of have changed my life and people laugh at me when they say that, especially my family. There are certain podcasts that I like, you know, Tuesdays and Fridays, I listen to pivot no matter what. And, um, you get to like, literally listen to people's thoughts. I mean, who would think that like, if you're interested in something, you can find a podcast about it and you can find the expert about it. And much like you said, when we were talking before this, we get a lot of people who reach out to us. And I mean, honestly, I can't talk to every single one of them, but if they go and they listen to the podcast and they're still really interested after they've seen how the sausage is made, right? then yeah, we can continue and have that conversation. So that's why podcasts are like, I love reading. I'm a voracious reader. Right. Cynthia Hetherington, she was my first guest. She's like, we read, we read all the time. But when I go for my daily runs, I can't read, but right. I can listen to podcasts. Or so. audiobook, yeah. Come on, be a yeah. trooper. <laughs> I'm more of an audiobook guy. I, I don't know what it is that I, I just, when I start reading, like, you know, and I can appreciate having a book in your hand and turning a page. Like, I, I cannot read on uh, a Kindle or anything like that. Like, that's just a no-go for me. So when I do read, it is um, in my hand. But man, I, like, I fall asleep. Full disclosure, <laughs> I fall asleep very easily reading. Uh, but audiobooks, I love audiobooks, you know, and maybe it's, you know, because when I was younger, I would go to the library and get the cassette tapes and listen to like the Lord of the Rings, you know, and just, you know, having this uh, Dune and stuff like that. And just like, yes, and my brain is going, I'm thinking, but I love the audiobook. I'm a big audiobook person. And even, you know, like the self-help and the better business guide stuff, like it's really, really good stuff, really uh, good stuff to listen. I to. just suggested to um, Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers. I've read the book, but I've heard from several people to do it audio. So I already suggested to a guy today, um, I said, get Malcolm Gladwell's book, but I'd actually do it in audible because he puts in actual audio clips that are really, really good. So yeah. some things come across better on auto, like on audible or, you know, yeah. So, yeah, I guess pick your, pick your poison, right? Whatever you're, you're good at. So, um, you know, I, I can appreciate the, the, not the addiction, but, but just really being into podcasting, listen to uh, other people and what they have to say. Uh, I mean, first of all, you know, in our industry, we're, we're curious by nature and we like to ask questions. We like to like I, I almost have this obsession with meeting people. I, I love talking to witnesses. I love trying to figure out how something happened. And the podcast is opening up the world to someone's thoughts and all that. And I've always been like an interview guy, even growing up like Howard Stern. 
if he's interviewing somebody, I want to listen to it. You know, um, Letterman, I'm obsessed with Letterman's, uh, you know, new format that he's doing just because he's interviewing interesting people, uh, even behind the actor studio. I mean, like you, you, you listen to that and you're like, okay, this is, this is really cool. You pick you know, and, and take from, from different things and just, you know, understanding how people think, um, I'm totally into it. And I think if you're, if you're an investigator or investigative by nature, you're going to like the, this format. It's something you're going to be drawn to. People do investigative podcasts because of that, right? I was listening to your episode with John Hoda. And yeah, when I used to be on surveillance, you couldn't read. You had right. to look. Right. So, you know, we had, you know, crazy radio shows that we listened to in the past. But if I were doing surveillance now, it would be so much easier with the amount of podcasts out there. And you are learning a ton of stuff. That's the other thing is my range of podcasts go from self-help business to politics to, you know, and of course, anything fraud related. Like, I don't know. Do you listen to Swindled? I've never heard Swindled. No. Oh my gosh. You oh. gotta listen to oh, Swindled. It's all over you, You're me, either right? going to love it or hate it because <laughs> right. it's by this guy, um, a concerned citizen. He's anonymous, yeah. but um, he will tell you he lives in Austin, Texas. He goes so deep on, you know, white collar crime cases. So you got to listen to Swindled. He's one of my favorite. And I even have a poster in my office from right. him. Right. I used to send out Swindled mugs. Swindled's really, really good. And he does the research. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah people that do this podcast and do video, like they, they find a way to put little banners in the back or put little things off. We'll have little signals or codes. I, I think Brian Willingham's got a couple of shout outs from people that have done video <laughs> conferencing because his, his swag is hanging on the wall or something. It's pretty cool. Oh, I know. So there's yeah. like a whole thing called room Raider. So like what your room gets rated and we're in the middle of a move. Yeah. And so like my, sorry, this is just a disaster right now, but yeah. um, I got my ring light and I've got my blue Yeti, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, seeing people's offices is kind of, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I have a nice shade of white. Uh, so I moved in, <laughs> I moved in recently and I haven't really just gotten around to decorating. So uh, yeah, we're going fourth wall here. on this stuff. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a little crazy. Um <laughs> So, um, you know, we, I did want to talk to you today about fraud and, um, you know, understanding your background a little bit and where you came from, uh, because you just didn't decide you wanted to do this type of work in one day, right? You've got a pretty impressive background. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into the business. So I say that my career has always been about money. So when I graduated college, I went and I worked at the Chicago Board of Trade, and then I became a stockbroker and a bond trader. And we had a client who was hanky, and I knew he was because, like, I ask a lot of questions as my dad would say when he, when I was getting my security clearance, because I became a federal agent for us customs, a special agent, and um, they do background checks and they interviewed my dad. Cause I worked for my dad for a year. And so the ex FBI agent is like, so your daughter's pretty curious. And my dad goes, no, she's Snoopy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks dad. But, so back to the whole money thing is I used to, work in how people invested money. And then I became a special agent for U.S. Customs and I did primarily white collar crime cases. And it was how did people, you know, profit from crime? And then when I went and I worked for a local sheriff's office, because long story short, my husband got a job in the middle of the country and right. I couldn't be a customs agent. 
go work for the sheriff's office, get my certified fraud examiner. And I start working main street embezzlement cases, just, you know, 60% of all dentists get ripped off by that nice office manager. So when you go to your dentist, ask them if they've been ripped off and if they're quiet, they've been ripped off. Right. But I'm seeing these, all my suspects were women, except for one man who I said stole like a woman. And, uh, it, it changed how I looked at crime because I had always seen crime as bad people, bad guys. I mean, when I was with customs, I got to drive fast cars and carry a gun and right. go shoot at the range. It was a blast. Yeah, cool. But I was seeing moms and sisters and wives, regular looking people committing crime. And that's where I, so I Googled women embezzlers and I got, I found the term pink collar crime, which people to this day, even though they've known me for years, they think it's women committing crimes. No, it's position, not gender. Most women are in low level, lower level positions, bookkeepers, office managers, you know, right. accounts payable. Right. And women are really good at embezzlement. It's sure. the one crime they really excel at. So I'm known as the pink collar crime lady, but again, it's position, not gender. Sure. Women are in those positions. Yeah. Listen, great women in fraud, right? And you said it. Um, it's not only for women. You'll you'll have uh, men on your show too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. men can learn a lot from women. Definitely. Um, so, but and now I kind of in my third part of the career, I'm training, I'm coaching, I'm mentoring. But it's kind of like my biggest part is when a victim gets ripped off. You can replace the money. Money is very tangible. You can you know sell more widgets. You can sell more of your time. Right. But the hurt, the shame, the humiliation is so much harder to get past. Yeah. And that's what I'm really working on with people. And we talked earlier, people are really disappointed in the system. If you've been ripped off by a close trusted employee, you're devastated. Sure. And then it takes, in my county, civil cases are four years out, four years to get justice. And let me tell you, no one steals to save. So if you think you're getting restitution, you're dreaming. Correct. Yeah. No. And listen, that's a good, uh, a good point you make. I mean, with, with the, uh, just the, the impact on our legal system, both criminally and, and civilly, you know, getting due process, <laughs> it's not so due these days, you know, it's going to be a bit of a, a delay to it. So it's, it's definitely something to, to take into the, uh, the, the factor. So yeah, I wasn't sure if that pink collar thing was something you, you came up with or if it was really legit or, or out there. So. No. So it's a criminologist. It came out of a big study in the 1970s out of um, Yale, but a criminologist, Dr. Kathleen Daly, who's now in Australia and she really doesn't do this type of work anymore. Sure. It's petty acts committed by low to medium level employees, comma, primarily women who steal from the workplace. Right. So it's a real, it's a term just like white collar crime was coined by Edwin Sutherland in 1939. So I didn't make it up. I have the domain name. Yeah, of course and you I do. Speak on it. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. And, but I don't know, I'm going to save your audience eight yeah. hours of time. Two summers ago, CBS with Marsha Clark of OJ, you know, she lost the OJ case. Just sure. Remember that. Yeah. She did a show called pink collar crimes. They didn't ask me to consult. I know they went all over my website. They got it completely wrong. They made it women committing any type of crimes. It is very specific and it's all over my website. It's sure. embezzlement. Another term for pink collar crime is garden variety embezzlement. And Marsha Clark has this, I show it in my presentation. She talks about 
how they never come in and confess. And it's like, of course, they're not going to confess to you, Marsha. You lost OJ. So I got a a question for you. Is it straight hair, Marsha Clark or curly hair, Marsha Clark? It's straight hair, Marsha Clark. (laughs) All right. She's more more refined. (laughs) (laughs) But she has this thing, pink collar profiler. Right. And only two of the eight episodes were actually about embezzlement. Like they had two murderers and pink collar crime. It's it's financial. It's just, it's a subset of white collar crime. Gotcha. Um, I'm a little passionate about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I listen, you've made a living doing it. Um, and you know, you, you definitely are good at it. I mean, you've, you've, you've spoken uh, uh, many, uh, many places. So like a typical year for you pre COVID uh, speaking wise, how many events would you say you were doing? Uh, oh, so I've been speaking full time since 2016. And I want to say last year I did 30, Wow. like 30, where I traveled. Then I did some virtual ones, but, um, you know, 30 to 40 is good. Beyond that, you're on a plane, like Cynthia. I don't know how Cynthia has done it. I think she's loving COVID because she doesn't have to like race to the planes nonstop. It's rough traveling. And that's another good thing about COVID is I can spread the word farther now than I could when I would just go to a city and do my presentation. It's awesome. And you know, the, I was just talking about this the other day with somebody like the, um, the formats, the way they've set it up and that, how they've left them, right. You can still communicate with people that have gone to a particular event. You know, uh, I know like osmosis is, is up till the end of the year. So if you want to reach out to somebody or go, go retake a class or, or, you know, brush up on one that you missed, um, you can go back and do that. And I think that's, that's, that's awesome. Cause it used to be, you know, three days done, you know, hope, hope you have a business card, <laughs> you know? So I'm kind of digging that part of it. Um, uh, and, and it's interesting to see the vendors like slowly, but surely start to shoot emails out. Uh, cause I am getting <laughs> emails and I've oh, yeah. attended quite a few events. So it's like, I'm starting to get that, that mail and it's cool. Cause honestly, I'm doing the same thing with <laughs> my investigator's toolbox. So, uh, guilty as charged. And, um, yeah, it's cool. I just like that there, there is that additional um, back and forth that you can uh, communicate. And I think honestly, going forward, it's going to be hybrid. I think all these events are going to be, there'll be a, a live aspect to it, but you're going to see a great deal of content that's going to remain online pre-conference and even post, I think, in, in my opinion, I think that that's, you know, that's the way we're going these days. Well, that's another reason why. So I have the great woman in fraud podcast and I have the website and the goal is to make it kind of a membership site, right. which, you know, kind of sounds a little bit cheesy, but really it's all about the content and like investigators toolbox. I was looking at it this afternoon to prep and it's like, that is awesome content. And where are you going to get it? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of free stuff on the internet and I'm, I'm a cheapskate, like, you know, a lot of investigators are cheapskates because we've got to put it together. <laughs> Why does everybody say that? <laughs> well, they are. I mean, I know this because yeah. I've, you know, um, so, but the thing is, is we can get someone from A to Z a lot quicker. Like everything I have ever said is on the internet somewhere. Right. I'm like, I don't save, I give it all out but you're going to have to piece it together and it is going to take you hours yeah. and hours to yep. piece it together. So when you have the investigators toolbox or great women in fraud or like Cynthia's Hetherington group and so many others, we package it up so you can consume it efficiently and put it to work right away. 
Yeah, I mean, that was the whole concept of what I was trying to do. Like, I wasn't trying to write a million articles or, or be the, the specialist on, on anything, although there are some things I specialize in. I wanted to create just that environment, that arena, that that marketplace almost even, uh, where you could go and brush up on your skills and, and do whatever. And, you know, just having something that's populated by by the, its own members, I think is really cool too. Like, so since I've started the site, I think I got about 25 pieces of content that have been added by members, which is great because it's less work that Matt has to do <laughs> other than just vet it and, and put it up. But uh, this is not a commercial for the Investigators Toolbox. However, I appreciate the shout out. We're here to talk about you today. So we're going to take a break real quick, actually. And when we come back, I do want to delve more into your experience and maybe talk about some cases that uh, over the years that have, uh, you know, um, turned out differently than, than you thought they would. So uh, everybody hang tight and we will be right back. Are you using a case management system? The answer is no. You should really rethink that process, right? So as you guys know, Crosstracks has been an amazing sponsor of the show. They've just been uh, really supportive. As you guys also know, I didn't used to have a case management system. I was the, the investigator that was fighting them tooth and nail. I finally decided to give it a whirl. What a great decision, right? During the COVID shutdown, I was able to actually roll my whole business into it and get completely up and running. And um, my clients love it. I mean, just today, I got a, a phone call from a client of mine who just couldn't believe how easy it was to access everything and uh, how invoices were there. He actually asked me to go back and upload all my prior cases and put it into Crosstracks. I've been doing business with that firm for, I don't know, about eight years, so uh, it's a lot of cases. Yeah, if you don't use a case management system, you should, right? You should check it out. Give Crosstracks a shot. Contact Brad or one of the teammates over there, and uh, they'll get you up and running with a trial and see if it's for you. If you have used Crosstracks and it's been a while and uh, you're not happy with the system that you're in, go check them out. They're doing a lot of really cool new things and uh, see if it's right for you. If you're unhappy with the system that you're in right now, contact them. You know, the ability for them to roll your system into their system is very easy. Again, you guys know they've been sponsoring this program and I can't say uh, enough good things about them, but uh, make your own decision, right? Give it a shot on your own and see if it's right for you. Want full data access without a site inspection? IRB Search gives you full social security numbers, dates of birth, up-to-date contact info, and so much more without the inconvenience or cost of an inspection. As an added bonus, you can access IRB data on any device in any location. You'll always have the best data anytime, anywhere. Visit irbsearch.com and use exclusive promo code PIPODCAST2020 for a free trial and 100 credits. Offer available for new and returning customers. PI Perspectives. Do you work with an insurance agency that takes the time to give you the personal attention you deserve? Well, contact Michelle Knoll and her team to get the best customer service and attention available. You never need insurance until you really need insurance. So keep yourself and your business protected. Contact Michelle at mnoll at amoscorp.com. Did you hear about the latest issue of PI Magazine? Check out the cover feature on the Investigator's Toolbox. You don't want to miss this great issue. Available today. Matt? And welcome back to PI Perspectives, everybody. This is Matt, your host. Uh, we're here today with Kelly Paxton. And uh, Kelly is uh, talking about pink collar crime. And I learned something new today that it, it, it's specifically for fraud, which I think is, uh, is pretty cool. Uh, so, Kelly, welcome back to the program. 
Thank you. Okay, so let's dig into, yeah, we talked about your, your speaking uh, 30 uh, events a year, 30 to 40 events, which is crazy. When did you first uh, decide that, hey, I want to like get into speaking and teaching and, and uh, kind of go down that route? Um, it's kind of a long story, but, um, and this is, this is like very, very transparent here. Um, I was an investigator and I was retaliated against. And when that happened, it was a gut punch. And I just was like, I don't know what I want to do. And I had spoken prior to my last place I worked at and I really liked it, but I didn't realize that people got paid unless you were Frank Abagnale, that you wouldn't get paid for it. I'm a member. I'm actually president elect of the national speakers association, Oregon chapter. And I had been to their events for a long time, just kind of off and on. They were interesting. And my husband is a college professor. He teaches education courses and he goes, you love it when you get in front of a room and you can teach, why don't you try and make a living at it? And I I did the speakers Academy. I went full in and I think this is the best work I have ever done. That's great. Yeah. You know, I I have it in my blood too. Like I have come from like third, fourth generation teacher uh, and, and musician. It's just kind of like, you know, it's what we do. So like that whole getting in front of people and doing things, it's like, yeah, whatever. I don't get nervous about it. I wasn't one of those yeah. kids who like did drama or debate. Like my mom used to, she laughed at me. She's like, you get paid to speak. You used to sit in a corner and read a book. Yeah. I'm very shy. I'm yeah. an introvert, but I get out there and I'm so passionate about my message. I don't care. Like I'm just so crazed to get the message out that the core of my stuff is honest people steal. Okay. And that's where people need to understand. We have optimism bias in our life that good things will only happen to us and bad things won't happen to us. And I have a great case where a guy, I knew his wife growing up, she married a guy, both very successful couple. He met me. And when he found out that I was a certified fraud examiner, private investigator, he very confidently said to me, I will never have to hire you. No one would dare Uh, steal from me. I'm a smart guy. Red light right there. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, dude, whatever. Guess what happens 18 months later? $750,000 embezzlement by his trusted lieutenant. Yeah. You know, she calls me. She's like, he's on the phone. My office tomorrow morning, attorneys, I've got a problem. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we we don't want to think that people are dishonest. And someone was saying to me the other day that I work with, you know, uh, crime, but I can't get out of bed in the morning if I think that everyone's going to rip us off. I think life happens. And this is where COVID comes in. There was just uh, New York Times did an article about how COVID has affected people losing jobs. Um, The Fraud triangle, the financial pressures people are feeling never in a general, several generations. Have we seen this? I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And so people need to understand that people, most, most people are good. We're going to, we're going to get rid of the psychopaths and the narcissists, but everyone else is generally good. But life happens. They don't expect their spouse to lose their job, their kid to get sick, their parent to be, you know, whatever. And they make a poor decision. They make a poor choice and it happens. And all the years I've been doing investigations for over 25 years, the best 
result you're going to get is using empathy and dignity. It is not going to be pounding on the table saying, I know you did it. Right. Well, you get it from empathy and dignity and treating them as human beings. Social engineering, baby, right there. I mean, that's what it's all about. Like you create that comfort level and you know, you get, you get more with honey. Absolutely. I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, and just, you know, painting that picture and uh, being able to create the comfort level. It's a, it's a skill that either you have it or you don't. Yeah. I had a, a boss of an ex three letter agency. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and I was doing an, I was doing an interview yeah. and the guy was, you know, he showed me a text on his phone. So clearly it was not valid. And so we're laughing and the guy leaves and my boss comes up to me and he's like, what happened in there? And I was like, he didn't do it. And I got a text and it shows it. And he's like, they should never laugh in there. I love it when I make them cry. Now, what? Yeah, that's, we're all people. Right. What? Yeah, he's out of the business. Yeah. And it, it, listen, it, it's different styles. And I think that that type of behavior um, was more popular a long time ago. And uh, not so much anymore. I mean, listen, they used to beat people with phone books too. So it doesn't happen anymore either. So, Well, and that's the thing about women. I mean, I'm not about the whole gender thing. I yeah. just like, you know, people think I am. Um, but women are, cur- I'm going to say women are incredibly curious and they're talkers. And also people are, a lot of times people are off their guard with women. So yeah. It, it, can I use it to my advantage? Listen, Absolutely. that's how women are great investigators. I mean, I've seen quite a few all-female investigative agencies. Brianne Joseph's got a great one down in New Orleans. Francie Kohler's got another one in California, all-female. I mean, <laughs> you're not stretching here. There's nothing to apologize for because you do never see it coming. In fact, when I started in the business, I started doing um, mystery shopping, right? That was the first gig I had out of college. And my partner, I was I was 22 or 20, 21 at the time when I started doing this. And um, my partner was a 53-year-old uh, lady from Barbados. You would never think we were working together. We caught so many people stealing. <laughs> I mean, it was great. And I felt bad for the lady because I made her listen to Metallica and the car rides everywhere we drove to. <laughs> she was super nice. It was either Elvis or Metallica. There was... <laughs> No in between. It was great. Yeah. Oh my God. That's too funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We yeah. caught a lot of people though. And, and in, in, in the retail environment, you know, when you catch somebody, they say they'll, what they're admitting to is usually about 25% of what they actually are taking. Uh, so it's, it's crazy. And that's, that was a big that's, business. I worked for that company for about three years. We caught that's a lot the of two people. to six factor. Yeah. So Whatever someone says they steal, multiply it between two and six. Sometimes it's as high as 10. But Rita Cronwell, who is, she committed the largest municipal embezzlement in the country, um, stole 53.7 million. When she was pulled in by the FBI, she sang like a canary. That's another thing is that in pink collar crimes, they usually confess pretty easily. Marsha Clark, you're wrong. Um, because she's like, it takes hours and hours. And it's like, no, not so much Marsha. But, um, so Rita Crundwell goes in two FBI agents. She's yeah. Confesses. And she's like, yeah, I took 10 million and it was 53.7. She fit right in my two to six. I've seen it as high as 10, but whatever they say, multiply it. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's true. Um, 
You know, it, it really is an interesting line of work. I mean, in that field, not only was it mystery shopping, but we did a lot of pre-employment screening too. So there was that initial interview. So they would give like a wonder lick or something like that, like that type of intelligence test. And then they'd give a drug test, obviously. And then uh, they'd have this, uh, I don't know, it was about 50 or 60 questions that they wouldn't like psychology driven. And then we'd just interview them, you know? And I remember I had this guy once and he, he showed up to the job interview wearing a jumpsuit from JFK. <laughs> like he literally was a baggage handler. And he was applying for, I, I don't even remember what kind of job, but it was something that you wouldn't, if you wanted the job, you wouldn't show up looking like, you know, you, you're supposed to be loading the, the baggage at the airport. And man, wow. by the time I was done with this guy, what he admitted to me, <laughs> I was like, I patted myself on the shoulder. I was like, wow, this is pretty good. Uh, somebody needs to call the cops on this guy right away. And it was like one of those things you call the client and you're like, uh, don't hire this guy. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. Well, that's the thing is like, you know, when, I have pink collar criminals and according to the ACFE's report to the nation, only 4% of fraudsters have a criminal history. Now, again, we have to exclude the psychopaths and the narcissists and the serial grifters, but the everyday sort of regular type of person, yeah, they don't have a criminal history and they will confess. Right. And there's certain things like you always ask them about the first time because it's embedded in their brain, because these are people who have never so much as, you know, jaywalked. Right. And then something happens in their life and they start stealing and they remember the first time. Like, I don't know if you watched the um, section in Cybercraft with Nathan Mueller, who's embezzled $8.5 million. Yeah, he talked about his that. first check and it's like $27,875. Now, if you asked him what he stole, you know, two months into it, he'd go, I don't know, I stole. But if you ask them about the first time, these are people who have never, you know, so much has gotten a parking ticket and then they start stealing. Ask them about the first time. So, so it I, will come back. I can tell you the first thing I ever stole in my life was a sticker set from the five and dime scratch and sniff. And I felt so bad about it, man. I went home and I couldn't sleep at night. Like I had to go, like I went crying to my parents. Like I took this from the store. So, yeah. So I got kind of bullied in yeah. high school to take this stuffed animal from this resort we used to go to. It was like a Christmas display or something. Right. And I took it home and I came back. I didn't sleep for a week, just like you. I came back a week later without my friends around and I put the stuffed teddy bear back in the, you know, sort of scene because right. I was so physically sick. Right. And I never stole candy because my parents would give me candy, but I did take that teddy bear and it was kind of a dare in high school. Right. And. I, I replaced it. I took it back the next week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like one and done for me. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't steal anything other than smelly stickers. <laughs> and when I show that slide in the audience where I can see people, you know, pre COVID yeah. and I show them, ask them about the first time, remember when you went and you stole, you know, a pack of gum and you see people just kind of like look down and go, Oh God, they remember it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's really, uh, really interesting. So let, let's talk a little bit about, um, like, let's say you're an investigator and this isn't your specialty and you, you come across something that just doesn't look right. What do you do? Who do you call? And, and how do you, how do you like dig into this further to say like, okay, I think there's fraud going on here, but what's the next step? What do I really do here? You know, if you think there's fraud going on, okay, I always work under attorney, attorney client privilege. Right. Um, you kind of look for the attorney to be the coach of the team. Right. Um, the other thing is I always tell my clients, like I do take cases, but they have to be very pink collarish. Right. And um, 
if I don't know it or if I'm not comfortable, like you reached out to me recently for a case, it's a type of case that I've just not, I don't like. And it's like, I, I will find the person who is better to do it. And um, Justin Seitz, who I know you did for the quick hits prior to osmosis, I I subcontracted him one time because I could have done it, but I knew he would do a better work product and he could turn it around quicker. And it was for someone that like, it really needed his expertise. So I think, and this is why investigators toolbox, not again to like, you know, pimp you out, but (laughs) I'm not stopping you. Go ahead. (laughs) We need to have connections because you cannot be a jack of all trades or whatever master of none. Um, I can't do computer forensic stuff. I'm good at OSINT. I'm not the best, like, you know, but I know who is. Yeah. And so going to conferences, whether they're virtual or online, you need to see who's speaking, who's presenting, who is out there creating content that you know does a good product. Yeah. I'm all about, um, you know, doing the best for my client. And sure. if it means me losing a gig, I'm fine with it. Yeah, and that's fine. And, you know, Jim, Jim Nano says it all the time, right? It's always better to know the guy than be the guy. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it's that's how you make business over how you, how you make a living in this business right you just know when to tap out or, and, and tap on that resource so usually like when i start something i'll do the initial work on it and i'll try and solve the problem and if i can't solve it i'll know at least i got you know i did a little bit on it and, and uh, maybe i can solve that problem at a good rate for my client but then maybe it's time to bring in the big guns and i, I leave it up to them and say hey this is what we've got here i think there's more and you need somebody who's really going to dedicate the time to it. Cause it's not, it's not even, sometimes it's not even a matter of, I don't know how to, it's more a matter of, I don't have the time to do it. These people do have the time and they're dedicated to do it. And they're, they're going to do the job that, uh, um, that needs to get done on this. Right. So having that conversation is important. And that's, you know, that's what it's all about. I mean, for me, like the, the quick hits with osmosis, I loved it. I, I love being able to talk to Justin. Um, I love being able to talk to, to John and, and, you know, Dan and, and Chris and like all those guys, it was amazing. I mean, I, I know uh, Kirby, well, actually I didn't get Kirby for quick hits. I had it before, but Amber, I mean, I know Amber for, for a while. Um, but just being able to, to meet these folks that are just, wow. I mean, <laughs> I talked to John Pizzura and I, I couldn't believe this, this whole neurological, uh, you know, social engineering thing that he had. I was just like blown away. Like I, I kept telling my wife, I was like, this guy's amazing. Like, <laughs> like he really, really, it came up with, you know, like it has a great uh, model of teaching this stuff. And, um, you know, it, it was a really great opportunity to get to know these people a little bit better and, and form relationships. And I have, you know, I, I may have been trading emails with Nick Finberg already on, on a couple of things, you know, um, and they're yeah. just good people, you know. So did Justin send you any of his music or no? No, we text every so yeah. often. But, you know, what was really great about the, when I subbed it to Justin was, like I had this idea of how I was going to do it. And so when I reached out to Justin, um, I said, so this is what I was thinking. Can you tell me if this is where you would go? And when he said, yes, I felt so good. <laughs> and I wasn't like totally crazy over there. Like, right. you know, and, and so it made me feel really good. And then, you know, when he delivered the product, we talked about it before he delivered the product sure. to the client. So it was great. But you know how I met Justin? This is so crazy. This is like how the world goes round and round is I went to the first osmosis in Vegas and Michael, you know, Bazell was there. Sure. And 
I came back and I was working at Nike. I came back and um, I started digging into Michael and he was a little intimidating. Yeah. Let me just say, sure. um, and I found Justin via him. And I literally sent Justin an email, you know, from my Nike email address and said, Hey, I want to talk to you. And he's like, sure. And we've stayed And I'm a huge Hunchley. Like yeah. when I was doing OSINT type of work, yeah. uh, Oh, I'm Hunchley all through. Yeah. And he's a and good dude we've too. just stayed in contact for yeah. like since 2015. Yeah. Um, and he's just so amazing, but it was from a connection. I was curious about Michael Bazell and, you know, he, um, he's just, he's a little, like, you know, he's super, super busy. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to try and backdoor this into Justin. And right. I did. Yeah. And Justin's like one of my favorite connections out there. And then Andy F1 from Namibia. Yep. I met him at, and Brett from Australia. I met him in um, osmosis. So you really have to go to these conferences. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I've been going, I think, four years now. I think I've been doing it. And, you know, it's an investment. It's investment in, in time. It's investment in, in, you know, not earning, you know, um, you know, getting there, paying for it, getting there, and then not earning on top of it. It, it totally is. But, you know, if you look at it that way, it's small picture, you know, because the relationships that I've made there have made me a substantial amount of money in, in business. Well, if yeah. you hadn't have, like, you know, been continually going there and staying in contact with Cynthia, would you have gotten the domain name? Probably not. Um, yeah, I mean... She, I, I don't think she actually owned, like owned anything. Uh, if you, you talk about the investigator's toolbox, I mean, that would, that's, yeah. a, that's a funny story too. If you don't know, you know, um, I had told Cynthia that I was, um, well, I had, I had mentioned, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this project. She's like, what's it called? And I'm like investigator's toolbox. And she's like, yeah, uh, type up virtual librarian. So I typed that in and investigator's <laughs> toolbox. So, uh, and she's like, oh, yeah, you can have it. <laughs> don't worry about it. You know? Yeah. Uh, but, um, it, it, the project would not have happened had it not been for osmosis and not because of that, but because of the relationships that I made with, uh, sponsors. So all the discounts and benefits, you know, these are people that I've met at conferences and, and events that I, I have made relationships with. Uh, PI perspectives would never be what it was or what it is because uh, of me going to conferences and, and spending time and, and getting those relationships. You know, um, most of the people that come onto the show are my friends. Yeah. You know, they're my friends. I mean, it, very rarely do I have somebody on I don't already know. Um, uh, there have been a few, but most people I know already. And. Two weeks before osmosis started, I got someone who reached out to me on LinkedIn. They heard about me and they're like, can we do a call with you? We're starting up a, you know, boutique investigative yeah. financial forensics firm. So I was like, sure, no problem. And they had never heard about osmosis. They signed up that afternoon That's great. and they were at osmosis. They're so excited about it. They hadn't heard about it. Yeah. And so it was word of mouth and, you know, they went and signed up and I was like, it's the conference. If you want to do any type of open source intelligence, you got to go. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the, uh, the the Quick Hits uh, podcast is probably was was the turning point. They heard a couple of shows and they're like, yeah, we got to sign up. <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, no. It's, you can't you can't stay connected to all this. So right. yeah. we got to help each other out. And I mean, you're doing it in the community. I'm doing it in Great Women and Fraud. We have to help each other out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, 
you know, realizing that uh, there are all different people of different ages doing this type of stuff. And, you know, it used to be a lot of the speakers, a lot of people doing the training on doing all that, the people that have been, you know, 30 years, 25 years, you know, and it's like, okay, they're getting towards the end of this stuff, maybe technology that aren't, don't really follow that or they're onto it. But it's so nice to see like, like speakers now are, I mean, you get guys like Ed Jabe, you know, he's like, just on the scene and that guy's awesome yeah. he's a great speaker shout out to eddie he's a good friend you know and and oh, eddie, I met him at osmosis so he's one of my go-to guys yeah when i'm yeah. when i'm overwhelmed uh you know uh ed ajab or mike morelli those are the two guys that help me out doing my my research because i count i trust them and they know what they're doing um uh, and they get results at the end of the day they get me results and that's all i care about and they've got you know more time to spend on it than I do, and uh, they're good at it. So that's uh, that's the way to uh, way to do it. You know, I recall um, you know thinking about fraud and things like that. So I had a situation. God, it must have been maybe about ten years ago or eight, eight years ago. One of my biggest clients, um, a law firm, um, they decided they wanted to start using somebody um, in addition to me, and that would happen regularly. I I've been doing business with this law firm for almost fifteen years now. And over the 15 years, it's always like, well, we're going to give everything to satellite investigations. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, we're going to spread it out a little bit. So this was one of those spread it out points, right? So um, I ended up having a conversation with one of the other investigators and we were talking and let's just say I, I uncovered something that didn't look right. You know, this guy, he was padding his billing and he was doing things that, you know, and he's like, yeah, what do you, what do, what do we care about it? Like, yeah, the law firm's paying us, but their, their clients are the ones ultimately paying it. What's the big deal? But then that was his response to me. And I was like, "Uh Oh, <laughs> this isn't good. So I brought it to the attention of uh, some of the people there. And uh, I got passed along to uh, somebody who was like managing the firm. Well, it turns out the guy that was managing the firm was kind of in, in with it on this guy. <laughs> I didn't know about it. And it was a whole big thing. And next thing you know, people are suing one another. I'm like a, a witness. <laughs> I'm going to go give oh, a deposition. God. It was messy. And it was just one of these things like, yeah, you can't do that, man. You can't like, you know, steal like that. Like it was blatant. He was double billing things like extra hours, double billing. I'm just like, dude, we got to testify <laughs> on cases. Like, what are you doing? This is stupid. It's not worth it. And Agreed, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And like to this day, like. I'm I'm high up in my state association. I'm I'm about to be the first vice president, and I like swore to myself as like if this guy ever applies to be in, in the the state association, I am going veto big time. Like it ain't happening, right? Uh, so uh, yeah, it's just interesting because it does happen in our industry too, right? So fraud oh, happens yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Even the guy, the, the the guys and the gals that are fighting fraud, there there are some fraudsters that are that are you know, working on our side of the fence too. So it's a little crazy. Oh, yeah. The ACFE just pulled, I think, two people's CFE designation from the greater New York area, I will say. Right. Yeah, just, you know, that's the thing is I, I was doing a presentation for a trade association recently and, um, you know, they, they they think everyone's kind and nice and, you know. For the most part, people are, but people make bad decisions. So, you know, you have the, um, it's uh, the, they do it every year. Pew does the most honest professions. Well, for like 17 years, the most honest profession is a nurse. 17 years running on that <laughs> survey. Ask, ask Bruce Sackman about that. He's got another opinion. <laughs> well, so, so I show them the most honest profession is a nurse, 17 years running. And then my next slide 
is a nurse who stole from the VA hospital. Right. And I'm like, it can be anyone. Yeah. Like, you just that's the other thing is people will come to me and they're masters of the universe. They're really super, super smart. And it's like, well, I'd see it. And I'm like, are you down in the weeds? Yeah. You don't, you don't, right? you don't see it. Cause you're not down in the weeds. Your genius is up here. You shouldn't even spend time down here, but you have to know that you got to check them out. Like, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, more money, more problems, more employees, more problems. We were talking about this earlier. So you, you being a, a solo and, and having, you know, virtual people around you. I purposefully have a boutique business. I never wanted to be that person with like, you know, 50, 60 investigators. And, the, you know, there, there are companies out there that have great models that do that. Uh, I'm a control freak. You know, like I, I have a really good, you know, office manager, operations manager who I, I trust. But I trust also but double verify. check. Trust but verify. I do double check. And, you know, it's, I, I always going to have my finger on, on something. Right. And, uh, it was really hard actually letting go to start off with really hard, Oh, but I did, so, see, I did see my business grow substantially when I, when I did that, when I made that decision to, to bring on an administrative person to help me. Um, and I, I got a good team. It's a small team right now, but it's a really good team. And, you know, learning how to say no right now, that that's what I've, I'm learning post COVID is, um, you know, learning, um, to, to downsize the business a little bit and just not take on every assignment. And that's okay. You know, yeah. you know like that's who you're going to be. You know, that, that's been, uh, been a, a challenge. So, okay. So we're going to wind down over here. This, uh, this has been fun. Um, yeah. you know, just kind of talking fraud and, and uh, talking shop here. And, uh, I, I really do like your, your podcast. I think it, it's great. Uh, I think it's, you got a great future with it. You've had some really great guests on and, uh, you know, just, um, I always approach the booking aspect of, you know, who do I want to know about? Who would I want to hear about? You know, and what kind of questions would I, would I ask them? And, uh, you know, just trying to keep it lively, but, uh, I, I think you have a good product and, uh, it's definitely one that I sub subscribe to and, you know, made it part of the podcast network there on the toolbox. Cause I, I think you're doing good stuff. So how do folks find that show and how do they get a hold of you? So it's just great women in fraud and, um, and I have great women in fraud.com, the website. Um, when, when you said thinking of guests, so I, I was listening to great women in compliance because they're just, they're so great. And there was a woman on it, a guest that did branding, personal branding. Right. Now you would think great women in fraud, personal branding. It was, so she's going to be on my episode. She's actually from, uh, England. And it's so important. So I'm known as pink, like people, uh, she's the pink lady. I have a very, very strong brand. I'm also known as the fraud hashtag queen. Like I hashtag, like I have hashtags that people know me for. I have a very strong brand in these. So I wanted the sort of people getting into the career to have that sort of brand. Sure. And I thought it was really important. So I'm not going to always have like investigators, I want people so they can have a full sort of, you know, vision of their, of their future and fraud. And it sure. does include your brand. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. Everything, uh, everything's a part of that. So Kelly, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Keep putting out those shows and uh, we'll, we'll listen to them. And uh, if uh, you're listening to this program, I encourage you to go check her show out and uh, you won't be wasting your time. I, I, I promise you that it, the shows are uh, they're definitely worthwhile. So thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next week on the next show. Take care. Thank you. 
We want to thank Kelly for coming on and talking fraud with us today. It could be an overlooked area for investigations. So make sure you check out her show, Great Women in Fraud. Now don't forget to visit our YouTube page and subscribe for great video content in the future. We also want to thank Amos, Crosstracks, IRB, and USABugsweeps.com for sponsoring this show. Have you checked out InvestigatorsToolbox.com yet? Remember, it only takes 41 cents a day to unlock the future of investigations. So make an investment in your business and yourself today. The 25% legacy discount will not last long. Use code PIP201836 to save even more. Have a question or comment about the show? Email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back next Monday with a new episode. So make sure you tune in and stay safe out there. <laughs>